All right, I want us to turn our attention to uh, the latest that has come out of Rwanda. And uh, I did mention earlier this concerning report by Human Rights Watch that has revealed what they describe as a crackdown on opinion on freedom of speech in Rwanda and the threat that this is posing to the individuals, of course, because many of them are being arrested, have all sorts of charges being brought against them um, but it also contributes to the information that is available to society at large because if you the only thing you are allowed to publish is what aligns with the central messaging coming out of government it means that there's a lot effectively that can be swept under the cup the carpet let me welcome onto the show nixon katembo he is africa affairs analyst and language specialist at channel africa Square swahili desk and professor anton harbour who is the executive director of the campaign for free expression uh, professor harbour let me begin with you in as far as uh, the latest report of this crackdown that has been really observed for some time now when it comes to different individuals in society, activists, journalists, members of the opposition. From the research that you have done, what have you found? Well, I've found, uh, thank you very much, Cathy. Uh, Rwanda is a very concerning situation. You know, it's often praised uh, by our politicians and others for their economic success. And um, the, uh, the, the post-genocide recovery since 1994, but it's been done at the expense of a great many human rights and particularly freedom of expression. So there's been a consistent, um, there's another word, attack on journalists, opposition members, almost anyone who speaks out, almost anyone who criticizes the president or the ruling party. Um, and the methods used can be quite shocking. You know, they've killed um, uh, people uh, who've, who've fled the country. They've driven many journalists into exile um, and other critics. Um, they've arrested, banned, detained. Um, they use secret and unofficial prisons um, where there's strong allegations that some of the journalists have been tortured and abused in other ways. Um, and they certainly, uh, the, the level of free expression is extremely low, and uh, the treatment of journalists and critics extremely um, harsh. You talk about the the post-genocide recovery and, and how that is often praised, uh, particularly you know in a country like ours by various politicians. Issues around freedom of speech are, over, are often uh, spoken about as peripheral issues, uh, Professor Harbour. So almost as if they're not central to the issues that the economic success, that the state of, of the country now is better and outweighs perhaps what is often overlooked? But, uh, it, it's hard to tell people who are being detained and tortured and sometimes killed um, uh, that, 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 that uh, things are much better. Mm. I mean, of course, um, uh, you have to give full credit to the ending of the genocide there and the, and the economic recovery. Um, but what you have that has emerged is effectively a dictatorship. Um, and that clearly uh, uh, means a whole lot of things in terms of human rights and the treatment of people. 
uh, that makes the situation um, um, quite uncertain and precarious. So, you know, I, I think there is some understanding that you would need to be cautious about certain kinds of free speech in the wake of a genocide, in the wake of the terrible things that happened there in 1994. So you could understand some concern uh, about, about some kinds of free speech, but this goes way beyond that. This goes to the, the, the very harsh and ruthless suppression of any criticism of the president or the ruling party. Nixon, let me bring you in here because, of course, your home country is a neighbor to Rwanda. And I think that you also have insights into what has been happening there over the long term when it comes to the rights of of, of freedom of, of, of speech and expression, especially by journalists. Certainly, Kathy, what is uh, happening and coming out of human rights reports is not surprising to me. These are things that have been happening uh, in Rwanda on a daily basis. Rwandans are muzzled to the extent that they cannot do anything. And if you are a journalist uh, traveling to Rwanda, you will be showed how to report, where to report, and who you interview. And if it so happened that you interview some, someone, uh, there have to be a level of um, um, uh, kind of uh, um, intelligence uh, uh, around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have people who are fearful of making any comment because everyone in Rwanda is basically have been turned to an in, an intelligence agent. In other words, you go to the bus, the driver or anything sitting next to you could be an intelligence officer. And that speaks to the core of the flagrant human rights violation that has been happening in that country. For heaven's sake, this is the very same government who have abducted, actually protected refugees in, in, in under UNCR and repatriate them to Rwanda under mysterious circumstances, then some of them get killed. And the case is in point, the likes of Rene Rutagungira, who was abducted in Kampala in Uganda. Uh, you have the likes of uh, Joel Mtavazi, who was uh, one of the former uh, uh, presidential uh, protection unit, which is currently called the, the Republican Guard, and uh, that uh, that is responsible for protecting Paul Kagame, who was also abducted in Kampala, moreover under the UN protection. So, uh, the things that are happening in Rwanda is uh, uh, things that we have turned a blind eye on, and unfortunately for anyone who speaks about them, you run the risk of being. Uh, the next target, even my coming on this radio station mm. and e- expressing what is happening in Rwanda might attract a, 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 a be what in the intelligence circle they call a person of interest mm. uh, because then whoever I speak to or even to the extent of ma- uh, following my telephone number to make sure that who do I speak to <laughs> uh, and become a person of interest in that way if mm. I so happen to travel and I'm on a Rwandan air um, uh, a plane then I'm run the risk of being 
taken out of the plane and you know uh, arrested for for that matter for things that I have said on the radio mm. and in fact when they arrest you they take you they say okay you said this and these are the reason why we are arresting you for speaking issues then you have journalists like uh, at the honest, uh, at the likes of uh, Hassan, uh, Didone Hassan uh, Chuma, who are speak, uh, speaking issues that uh, Rwandan express daily and they express them through YouTube channel that they have established. They get arrested for that. Mm-hmm. In other words, people do not have the freedom of speaking. And this actually, uh, the way Rwanda operates is just a police state. It's just a, a sheer dictatorship. We should not even sugarcoat about calling uh, Paul Kagame and his inner circle as dictators. Uh, that is the point. And, uh, you know, post-genocide, uh, Professor Anton Hubbard touched on, uh, w- uh, people overlooked the human rights violation that the Rwandan government was committing over the terrible uh, issues and the guilt that the United Nations had in failing to stop the genocide in 1994. Mm. And what happened then is that uh, the Rwandan government wrote on that. In fact, what it did it made sure that it controlled the narrative in the media. So you didn't know this, but I have to tell you this now. Rwandan government sent different operatives in different radio organizations across the world, mainly uh, international radio stations such as your BBC, your Deutsche Welle, and your VOA. And the aim for that was to control the narrative coming out of Rwanda. And these were kind of a journalist, but in fact, they were people who were um, uh, uh, controlling mm. uh, what is being said about Rwanda. And the, the narrative then changed to, to paint the pictures uh, Rwanda as this glorious uh, country. We had one here at Channel Africa who was the head of the French services. And I'm, I'm telling you now, he is currently in the Minister of Defense controlling the Communication Commission within the Ministry of Defense under the then former Defense Minister James Kabarebe, who is currently the the the, the 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 presidential advisor on security matters. So you see that Rwanda, even to the extent of sending spies in neighboring countries such as Uganda, uh, Burundi, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, committing heinous crimes there, sometimes targeting people who are against the government or even speaking out for just against the, 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 the crime committed by the government of Rwanda in these countries, they just get abducted. And sure. this is the picture that has not been brought out uh, to the surface. It's very concerning um, hearing, uh, Nixon, at least your account of part of how the government has been uh, central in controlling this this narrative. Um, Professor Anton, when you look at the kind of charges that are brought against people who are arrested, what kind of charges are people facing? 
Well, they ridiculous charges quite often uh, for doing things like humiliating the authorities. Um, but let me be clear, uh, yes, they're charging a number of journalists and opposition uh, figures, and very often it's just for raising issues and being critical. Um, um, but equally of concern is the extra-legal activities, mm. um, detentions, um, killings, assaults, threats. It really is a terribly, terribly worrying situation and, uh, and very brutal. When you listen to Nixon's account of um, how far he believes the Rwandan government has been going to control the narrative even beyond its its borders. What do you have to say about that? I think that he uh, is absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly um, exert very direct control on internal journalists and uh, strong pressure as well on internal journalists or people who talk to journalists. Um, obviously, it's easier for international uh, writers and correspondents, um, but certainly um, he's, uh, the, the president has been able enormously to, to, to downplay his dictatorial tendencies and play up his uh, economic and financial um, successes and set that narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think the, 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 the world has been susceptible to it. You know, we see economic growth and we see apparent uh, stability. And certainly after the terrible events of the 94 genocide, one is relieved and grateful for that. Um, um, but um, we haven't paid enough attention, I think, um, to uh, the suppression of uh, of dissent, um, the ruthless suppression of dissent in that country. Do we have a, a clear picture of what Rwandans um, think of the situation in the country, how they feel about it, especially if we're talking about an environment where there is this clampdown on, on diversity of views or, or opinion? Um, maybe let me begin with you, uh, Professor Haber. We don't have a clear idea because it's very, uh, the independent media is, is weak in Rwanda um, uh, as a result of all this uh, action to prevent them. Uh, we can't judge from election results because we get very dubious results of uh, the ruling party winning 97% or 94% of the vote. All the signs, I think, of uh, of uh, elections not being real and dictatorship being the real situation. So there's no real outlet. Um, and even um, uh, if you go there, people are extremely careful and uh, concerned about expressing themselves because the consequences can be so harsh. Mm. Nixon? That is the actually how the Rwandan government operates. And uh, you ask whether Rwandan have a, a say in how things are being uh, uh, done in their own country. The answer is no, they don't have that. They are fearful. They are scared to the core because anything that they say can actually land you in jail. If not, if it lands you in jail, you are lucky. But the real issue here is they are killed all over the world. Uh, you have uh, students who are trained 
uh, at uh, places like Gaviro in the north of of, of Rwanda, where they, the the headquarters of military uh, uh, in that country, and then they are brainwashed and sent out in different countries as students going on scholarships. But their real work is to spies on other Rwandan who are living in uh, in outside Rwanda. And you have a, a case in point, some in Canada, uh, you have people who have been poisoned and die mysteriously uh, in that point. So that is the nature of operation of this government. And people should not be sugarcoating and glorifying the economic success that is there. The economic success is there is almost null and void because these are funded, donor-funded economic success, where over than 60% of the Rwandan government um, are Pause, I, I said, and even the World Bank itself has said that the things that they are giving, the statistics that they are giving from the Rwandan government about economic and, and so on, they are not actually true. They are sure. Right. We're going to continue the conversation in a moment. Uh, Nixon Katembo is with Channel Africa's Kwaswahili desk. Professor Anton Harbour, Campaign for Free Expression. It's 10.30. Let me take you to the latest news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. We're focusing on the situation in Rwanda, in particular the crackdown on freedom of speech and any other uh, associated individuals who are seen to be saying uh, something that contravenes perhaps what is a government view that is being seen to humiliate officials, as we've heard a little earlier on in the program. I'll take your WhatsApp voice notes and text messages on 0614-104-107. And on Twitter, it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. Part of our conversation this morning, Professor Anton Harbour, who is uh, the Executive Director of the Campaign for Free Expression, and Nixon Katembu, uh, who is with Channel Africa's Kiswahili Desk. Nixon, you, you talk about the the incredible effort that is being made outside of Rwanda's borders to control the narrative about that country. Have we seen situations where people who are outside of the country, so let's say perhaps uh, Rwandis who may be in South Africa, coming under threat for something they may be saying about their country or what they what the people back home are telling them about what's happening there. <laughs> Kathy, it, it, we're not living a dream here. Mm. Uh, what we're living is a reality that has been happening and the Rwandans have been facing. You heard of Colonel uh, 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 Karegea being shot at Mike Angelo here. Yes, yes. You had uh, the likes of uh, 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 um, uh, uh, Senior Castle uh, uh, Advocate uh, Kennedy Gihana being shot and almost also being followed in hospital uh, for, for 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 things that he has been expressing about the dictatorship in in Rwanda. You have the likes of other Rwandan who were shot in 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 philippine in on on a cape flat in cape town you have rwandans who are being shot in mozambique 
okay others being abducted in mozambique for that matter and you wonder why i have said before the connection between the rwandan deploying forces in mozambique was to make sure that they control the large population of rwandans who are in mozambique who are refugees and most of them are businessmen some of them have been actually when the rwandan deployed the forces in mozambique they have changed their business and come here in south africa some are full of um, uh, fleeing to uh, as far as australia this is the modus of operandi of that government and people should not um, uh, sugarcoat it or even uh, mm. uh, take it the other way that's how the rwandan operates and as i speak to you even the government sent dif- in different embassies people who are mandated to follow the activity of any rwandan who speak anything about the government hence my point earlier that they are afraid to the court to even utter a word because uh, the idea is to just terrorize everyone to drive a particular narrative that everything is okay in rwanda whereas actually things are, are being so are, are so bad sure. i take the case of uh, during the uh the covid uh, you had people who were whose uh, houses were demolished in kigali uh, under the pretext that uh, they, they are making way for development but then they are not given alternative accommodation these are issues that does not come into one uh, into the for in the media and you have Uh, for instance, in the morning, I, this morning I woke up. You remember that General Muhozi uh, Kainerugaba, uh, the son of President Museveni, was in Rwanda to just to normalize the relationship between the two countries. And he, there you have this morning, Yolanda Makolo, the government spokesperson, woke up and said, no, there are certain issues. And he was pointing at gen- independent journalists in Uganda that they have been driving a, a negative narrative against the Rwanda. Therefore, the, the government of Uganda should act upon them. But what Yolanda Makolo does not say is about what uh, uh, the... a radio post oh igihe news organization the virunga post or uh, even the new times of rwanda driving a particular narrative to uh, make sure that they would paint the picture of the government mm-hmm. not necessarily saying how much rwandans are terrorized and uh, they are not given a platform to air their views right. and that is across the board everywhere beat in australia beat in canada beat in in london where <laughs> the government has won the actually uh, uh, mi16 uh, go to the extent of warning rwanda about the imminent threat against their lives so it, it, it we can talk about rwanda f- and the day goes on i'm afraid <laughs> we don't have that time I want to bring you in here Professor Harbour what is the solution so a, a lot of work has been done to identify the problems but what kind of uh, interventions would uh, particularly an an organization or campaign like um, free free expression want to see happen here uh, well, one would want uh, uh, it to be fully exposed um so that the world is aware of uh, these terrible things that are happening and would one would want to see the intervention of bodies like the African Union um 
to to pressurize um, the Rwandan authorities um, to change this kind of behavior and to democratize the country. When it comes to bodies like the African Union, they're not necessarily known, uh, you know, for wanting to even get involved in in matters of this nature, Professor Harper. I mean, are are these the right bodies to be looking for solutions from when they have such a clear track record of effectively uh, turning a blind eye? Um, Well, yes, um, the track record is not that good, but I think... Other countries who, who hopefully are concerned about human rights and democracy and stability across Africa um, should be using platforms like uh, the AU to be saying um, we need to draw attention to this and we need to, to see what we can do to pressurize for change there. I think we do need to support um, the many exiles, uh, the many of those who are being persecuted, sometimes by giving them refuge and support in various ways. Um, and we need to make the world aware. You know, um, I'm a journalist, and um, what, what our role is is really to ensure that the world is fully aware um, of what's going on there and is not fooled by the narrative uh, um, that it's just a case of economic uh, prosperity and success. All right. We're going to continue our conversation in a moment. I've got a quick break coming up. We'll take that and uh, I'll keep my guests on probably for just an extra five minutes before we wrap up this conversation. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. Let me go to Parktown. Says we saw good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to Nixon and... Uh Andrew Harper there, thanks for taking my call. And uh, I would like to say, I think, the, uh, my, I first of all put the blame on the Western powers door because they are the ones who, who, who were actually involved in the Rwandan genocide. And uh, when uh, Paul Kagame emerged, they actually rallied behind him. I questioned a lot of... Uh, things that are happening, because he managed to manipulate uh, the media houses around the world, including South Africa, because there's a question I posed at the Holocaust Museum, where the Rwandan genocide is actually prioritized more than other, you know, genocides. Africa has been suffering genocide from day one. White men landed on this land. And uh, South Africa has gone through a, a, a serious genocide. But I was surprised that uh, our story is not really prioritized. The Rwandan story was actually, is actually even if you go there now, Kathy. And uh, the Rwandan situation actually reminds me of places that I've covered, like in Jordan and Egypt, when it was hosting Barrett. In Jordan, even up to recently, where four out of four people, you know, in, in, I was warned by the guy who was helping me to find my way around, that uh, out of four people, three of them are spies. So that is the situation you find in Rwanda. When you land, you are under surveillance. And what you say, and we're talking to people, but our own white South Africans here put Rwanda ahead of every African country. We have the genocide that has happened in in, in DRC ever since Petrus Tumumba was assassinated. And no one talks about it. Yet Rwanda is actually involved in giving the Westerners roots to still 
the, the, the resources, you know, mineral resources in, in, in DRC to make Rwanda what it is. Because if you can see even the videos that he addresses the, the audiences in the United States of America and people actually stand up and say, we're going to do A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z in, in helping. So it's all subtle mm. and very complicated uh, character in, in, in the president of Rwanda. And I think it's high time that Westerners stop you know, dividing Africans because we have West genocide that has happened in this country. And that genocide of 94 was not the first genocide in Rwanda. All right. We, we, history has it. All right, says Wiswa. Let's leave it there out in Parktown North. Uh, Professor Haber, let me give you a chance then to just add your final and concluding remarks. Um, yes, I would pick up on your previous question, what we need to do about it. And I would really think that we that we we have to um, get the world's media to try and be more consistent in uh, and on human rights issues. You mm. know, we're seeing the world's media absolutely put all attention, all focus currently on what's happening in Ukraine, and that's a good thing. Um, um, but we don't see the same attention being paid to uh, places like Rwanda or other places in Africa where there are very serious and worrying conflicts. So I really think we have to push for a greater consistency in coverage and exposure and, uh, and, and, and of human rights issues and hope that leads to international pressure and action. All right. Professor Harper, let me thank you uh, for your time on the talking point this morning. Nixon, I'll wrap up with you. Yeah, what is happening really is have to be exposed and uh, people uh, have to stop, you know, uh, sugarcoating things. I know for the fact that Rwanda invests so much in PR campaigns, uh, um, um, hiring me, uh, PR uh, uh, companies in in the Europe and in North America uh, to give this image. But I think uh, from the journalistic point of view, people need to start pointing out the rot uh, that is done uh, in, uh, and making sure that the voices of the voiceless in Rwanda come out and uh, just uh, let the international community know that despite all this uh, glory that, heap, that is heaped on, 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 on the government in, in Rwanda are actually not the true reflection of what is happening on the ground. And I would argue people to read uh, Canadian journalist Judy Rivers' book uh, titled In Praise of Blood, uh, the Rwandan, um, the crime committed by uh, Rwandan Patriotic Front from 1994 uh, up until uh, 2012. She, at 2010, she described much of what the Human Rights uh, Watch have been talking about. And unfortunately, uh, people turn a blind eye mm. or even sometimes scared of coming fro- for forth to speak about issue because Maybe you have a business dealings the next time you fly to Rwanda and you get arrested for what you have said. And that is the nature of, you know, you have an issue just across uh, in Eastern DRC where Rwanda sent the military uh, at its own whim, uh, just saying, I don't need... um, uh, 
permission from anyone. These are the expression of the pres president Paul Kagame on the third of February this this year in the parliament, saying that he can send soldiers in the DRC and do whatever they want, and they. The caveat has been the R, 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 uh, uh, FDLR. Uh, FDLR was a force of about 1,500 uh, members uh, for that time. Rwanda has been in the DRC consistently. It has spies in the DRC army. It has people around the presidency. Mm. It has uh, the likes of John Kanyoni who control um, uh, DRC investment who come from Ruhengeri in Rwanda. Uh, these are not uh, issues that uh, people speak about in the media, but when you speak about them, you become a target, I'm afraid, and that is the, how the Rwandan uh, government operates. And we need to start consistently, as Professor Anthony Haber said, as driving the message of the truth of what is happening is only then uh, we will be able to uh, understand the full um, uh, extent of what this government is all about in right. its um, uh, kind of uh, uh, police state uh, dictatorial uh, approach that has taken since 1994. Nixon Katembu, let me thank you for your insights on this conversation as well.